Hi, welcome in to Car Radio. You're on 910 AM, the Superstation. I'm Henry Payne, your host for the next two hours, columnist for the Detroit News. And I've got a special show for you today. Uh, we are broadcasting live from Road Atlanta Raceway, uh, just northeast of Atlanta, Georgia, in the uh, little town of Brazelton, known world over. Uh, one of the great racetracks in the United States. Um, and uh, they do the, te- the uh, 10 hours of uh, Petit Le Mans here. Uh, I'm down here racing this weekend with HSR, which is uh, puts on the MIDI, which is one of the most prominent vintage ra- car races in the country. Been going for 44 years. Uh, that's quite a record. We have 300 cars down here of every class imaginable. And if you haven't been to the MIDI, uh, or if you're listening and you're in the neighborhood, uh, this is really the place to be. Uh, in Atlanta this weekend, uh, I'm racing uh, Sport 2000 cars, which is the feature race uh, for this weekend. And I am joined by Tom Kane, who is a fellow racer. I'm racing a Lola 90. Tom is racing a Tiger. Tom, how are you? Great. Good to, glad to be here, Henry. So uh, Tom and I uh, have been racing together for a long time. Uh, we're both sitting trackside here. We have a race at 1245 uh, today. And, uh, you know, whenever you uh, have a race approaching, it's a lot of preparation. A little little different to do a radio show, uh, I think, Tom, before a race. What do you think? Yeah, it is. Maybe, uh, maybe it takes, takes your mind off some of the things that may, just make you nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, Sport 2000. Uh, for folks who followed this class over the years, uh, used to be an SCCA, uh, 2014. Uh, it uh, stopped as an SCCA class, came down into vintage racing, uh, where Tom and I picked it up. And we have a field of 50 cars here this weekend uh, around Road Atlanta, this great racetrack. It's, it's really special uh, to be out here with so many S2s. Tom, have you ever been in a race field this size? Uh, close. In uh, 2007, there were uh, 70 S2s out at Road America, but they split the field into half and half. So this actually may be the most on track at one time that I've been on. And it's a shorter track yeah. than Road America. That's right. Yeah, it's, uh, Road America is uh, one of the biggest tracks in the country. Uh, a little smaller here, uh, very technical track. What, what do you think, Tom? Is uh, uh, give me a track ranking. Is Road Atlanta right up there as one of your favorites? It is in my top three. You know, VIR, this one, and Mid Ohio are my three favorites. So it's like, uh, you know, it, it's it's one not to miss. It's a nice, it's a beautiful high speed track. It's a real uh, sort of a gut check on some of the turns, and it's a it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and it's, it's fun for amateur racers like Tom and I to come down here because the pros race here. Uh, uh, every year in the uh, 10 hours of Petit Le Mans. So it's uh, neat to be in the pro paddock where the pros set up. It's interesting to compare our lap times uh, to what the pros are doing these days. And just to paint you a picture of uh, what's going on here this weekend, beautiful weather, uh, multiple classes of cars. So our, our race class, the S2000 class, is the feature class, but we'll do an eight-lap sprint race for a half hour. And then we'll be followed by another race. And if you're a race fan, uh, there's really nothing better than to come to a weekend like HSR Mini because you can see everything from NASCARs, where they still bring in pro drivers like Bill Elliott, Joe Nemechek. They're here racing this weekend, these old 
uh, older NASCARs, you know, we're talking 10, 15 years old, uh, as well as uh, uh, cars like ours in this very small 1,000-pound sports car racer class. So you see Formula cars, Indy cars, GTP cars, everything is here. It's a real candy store for car enthusiasts. Tom, how did, how did you get involved in S2000? What, what attracted you to the class? Well, you know, I went to a couple Skip Barber classes, schools in 2004 and five, and I, I sort of got the bug to get a car, and I really wanted to get something that was a little, I'll call it safer, so it's a closed wheel, so you don't have the Formula Ford possibility of over, you know, wheel over wheel, so it's, but it's fast. Uh, and it really, that's what really attracted me. There's a safety aspect I like because of that. And it's also, you know, it's a, it's a real uh, exciting car to drive. So that's what sort of got me to, to pick an S2. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good class. I, I came out of Porsches uh, before I came into S2000. And uh, the, the Porsches were fun to race uh, because of the manufacturer history that's in auto racing. But what's neat about these spec uh, classes is we all run the same engine. We're all running a two-liter uh, Ford carbureted engine, so it keeps it keeps costs down, and it and it and it sets a uh, a, a uh, an equal bar between competitors. And then you have different chassis makers uh, come in and build chassis to spec. I drive a Lola a 90. Tom drives a Tiger. There are also Swifts and Carver chassis uh, in this uh, series. So it's a real driver series. Uh, Tom, what do you what do you like about the Tiger? You've uh, You've been uh, you've been driving that car for a while. Yeah, it is. It's what they would call a historic car, so it's the older, even though they all have the same spec, and it, it was built to a slightly different standard back in the early 80s and, and late 70s. Uh, I guess, I mean, frankly, one, it's got cockpit room. Uh, you know, some of the other, like the Swiss, are pretty tight. Uh, the other thing is it's, it's renowned as sort of a forgiving car, so I don't have to be quite on the edge everywhere on the track, so I can still go fast. And uh, the car will forgive me if I'm a little off, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, you know, I got into the low. I had when I first got into racing. Uh, I'm a big guy, six foot five, two hundred thirty pounds. So I looked at these little cars and thought, man, I, I'm going to need a lot of room. And uh, so I, I was attracted to an earlier, earlier Lola. But I found these cars are so good. I mean, these things pull more than two G in a corner. I found that actually I want to be really tight in this car. I don't want to move at all uh, because the G loads are so heavy. So um, it's interesting uh, how different your perspective is coming out of a tube frame Porsche into a uh, monocoque car like this. Is this the, the quickest car you've ever driven, Tom? You know, frankly, it is the only car. I, 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 I did not race cars before 2006. Uh, I just sort of, I've always loved cars. I've been, you know, an enthusiast and watching, you know, Formula One back even in the Watkins one day, but sort of uh, didn't have uh, the priorities, you know, family and all that so that I could be with ahead of time. So I, I bet I'm a late in life bloomer. So at 55, I said, I'm going to go racing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great way to get, to get into motorsport. Uh, both my sons are here with me this weekend racing where all three of us are driving a similar uh, Lola 90 car. It's great to be out here with family. And, and Tom, you're here with family, too. You have your uh, son uh, as, as yeah. out there on the grid with you as well. 
Yeah, for uh, for the first time in five or six years, it was just me racing the car. In 2012, my son would come and co-drive with me during the long races, the Enduros, if you know, which run an hour to an hour and a half, and he could share the car. And, uh, you know, this gives him an opportunity to do it. And then last year, I bought a second car, another Taiga, and this is actually the first week where we both brought both cars. So we're sort of the first time to be on track uh against each other, quote-unquote. <laughs> yeah, that's really special. Yeah, I, I, I grew up uh, uh, racing in go-karts and then eventually uh, ran with my father. And, uh, it, yeah, it's a special experience uh, to be out here uh, with your sons, uh, with your, with my sons and and, uh, and Tom with his son. So, uh, Tom, there are guys from all over the country here this weekend. I mean, this, this event is uh known nationally it's been here 44 years uh, our class is the feature class so i'm i'm talking to drivers in the in the grid here today from florida from california from uh, chicago uh where where are you from uh, i live in uh, lynchburg virginia so central virginia yeah so not a, not a uh, not a, a long drive for you but uh, but a pretty good uh, central location for you. Atlanta's not too far away. Uh, Summit Point uh, up in West Virginia, which we'll be racing later this year. Um, I don't know. You might. Do you think Virginia might be the sweet spot of uh, the best place to live geographically for for racetracks? I, I like it because also VIR is my home track. It's only like an hour and fifteen minutes away, so that's that's perfect for me. Um, so I, I think it gives you a lot of choices, uh, you know, uh, on the East Coast. You know. And Billy Roving Road in Savannah, and this, this year I'm going to go up to Canada. I think we're both going to go to Mossport, Canada. Uh, so that'll be a first for me. Yeah, we'll be heading up there in June, uh, assuming that Canada is uh, fully open at that point. You never know about Canada, but we look forward to going up to Toronto and racing uh at most port. Uh Tom, I think you've already been uh, uh racing this year at uh at VIR. Uh, as you said, that's where your uh home track. So this is the first race of the year for me. Uh it, it's great to be out here. Have you uh you feel like you're settled in, feel like uh you've been turning some good lap times? Yeah, uh I'll of course I did my best laps in the first session. I, I sort of struggled to get back to it, but I I think I'm I'm within uh, six or seven tenths of my personal best here, so I'm okay with that. Okay. Uh, I'm about where I should be in the field. That's good. <laughs> yeah, we got about fifty other cars to uh push us, so nothing like uh, competition. Uh, to make us all a little bit quicker. So, so Tom, you know, a, a lot of our audience are, are, are car folks, uh, but they don't necessarily race like us. You, you have a great story that uh, you came in and uh, uh, not having raced previously, you came into this class, Sports 2000. Uh, as you've raced over the last 15 years, uh, would you say uh, this is this is the kind of racing to get into? I mean, what would you advise somebody? Um, you know, who's, uh, who's, who's an adult who's looking to go racing. What, what would you advise them to do to get into racing? If they want a, a quick car, like, you know, fast car, this S2 is the best bang for the buck, really. I mean, it's, it's not inexpensive to run, but I mean, to me it would be two choices. If you want to be, if you're really working on a budget, I would really think that like a Miata might work. Those are, those are very competitive, but with a different experience, but uh, I, I have a hard time 
uh, going away from the S2, I like the ultra cockpit, closed wheel, uh, and the slick faced uh, car. So, yeah, highly recommend. And it's, and it's not. Yeah, and it's not an open wheel car, which uh, can be tricky uh, when you're running uh, tire to tire like that. It's uh, it's safe racing. When you got in, did you do uh, barber school? Uh, what would you recommend in terms of prep? I, I did skip barber school. Actually, my son did skip barber actually ahead of me. Uh, I did it, and then I did the advanced school. And that, I think that prepared me pretty well for, for this. And then when I initially got the car, I had some personal coaching just to kind of adapt what they teach you to refer an open wheel car to, to what the way the behavior of that's too. But I think I think it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. Well and of course uh, I I, I got to say too your daily driver is a mid engine Corvette, so that helps, doesn't it? Having a uh, a mid engine car like your mid engine target you're driving around every day. Right. It's a little bit a uh, little bit different power factor, but I uh, I do have that and uh had a chance to go to the uh, Ron Cole School out in Nevada to, to see what it's like to drive that at speed, and it, it, it handles very well, and it's very neutral, and you can rotate the car really well. And I just love that yeah. car. Yeah, that's a great thing about production cars these days. You can uh, take them to work uh, on Friday and then uh, take them to the track on Saturday. There's some good stuff out there. But, Tom, uh, good luck to you today. I'll, uh, I'll see you out on the grid. Okay, we'll see you there. Thanks for having me, Henry. Have a good, have a great, great time on track. All right. So, uh, as I said, this will be a little different show today because I'm, I'm going to uh, end the first segment here by introducing the middle of the show because I'm going to go race cars. My race is at 12:45 down here at Road Atlanta, so I'm going to have to suit up, uh, go do my half-hour race, and then I will come back to my mobile radio booth here at 1.30 and pick up with a uh, live interview with Manny Katakis. In the meantime, uh, I've got some great tapes for you from uh, Larry Dominique, who is the uh, head of uh, Alpha North America. He's going to be talking about the all-new finale. We're gonna, I'm going to be talking to Tanner Faust about the new Golf R. Also got a great tape interview at the top of the 1 o'clock hour with Dave Coleman talking about the new Mazda CX-50 and then Leanna Preto, who runs a wonderful off-road uh, experience out west. Um, uh, she's she's going to be uh, uh, talking uh, just before I come on uh, back on live at one thirty-four. So some great interviews coming your way here over the next hour, and I will be back with you live uh, at the last half hour of the show. Uh, this is Car Radio with Henry Payne live from Road Atlanta Raceway. If you've been injured in a car, truck, or motorcycle accident, the insurance companies never want to pay. Hello? Listen, David, I'm telling you, we won't pay. No, I'm looking at the case right now, and you will pay. No, we won't. I'm absolutely no, positive we won't. that you will pay. No. Okay, that's it. No. When the insurance companies say they won't pay, I will make them pay you. Get the money you deserve at GetDavidGetPaid.com. 19 a.m. Superstation has the greatest advertising deal ever with our Godfather package. 200 spots for $500 with a must-air-within-30-day policy. That is only $2.50 per spot, and we will even produce the spots free. That's right, free. Call Jamie Harrington now at 248-357-4566. That's 248-357-4566. Attention! Do you owe back taxes, fines, and penalties to the IRS? 
The IRS now offers new relief options for taxpayers affected by COVID-19, but you can't go it alone. Call Tax Solutions now. Our team of former IRS agents and tax professionals can get you the best deal. We know the COVID-19 rules. Call us and never speak to the IRS again. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions now and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions now and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. The virus has caused the IRS to take extensive action to help taxpayers. So if you owe $10,000 or more, this is the best time in years to settle your tax debt. I qualified for the Fresh Start program. I paid less than I owed. Remember, the IRS will not give up until you pay. Call 800-683-9499. WADL gets a facelift and is now My 38 Detroit. Along with a facelift comes new program on Mondays at 8 p.m. Catch a two-hour block of Law & Order SVU. Tuesday, Chicago Fire. Wednesday's Dateline. More Dateline and Chicago PD on Thursdays and on Fridays. You'll get more Chicago PD to start your weekend. We'll still have some of your favorite shows like Mom, Blackish, and Friends. Just adding more for you to enjoy on My 38. Who else but 9:10 a.m. can give you this much excitement? I'm Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News. You are on car radio, full swing here on Saturday. Well, I just have a stream coming through here, talking about cool cars, classic cars, hot rods, muscle cars. We've got a great lineup for you today. Best car radio show in all of Michigan. Catch it all right here on 9:10 a.m. Superstation. All right, this is Henry Payne for 9:10 a.m. Superstation, hanging out at the New York Auto Show, a diminished show this year, but the first. Uh, after the pandemic, it's been canceled for a couple of years. We're at the Alfa Romeo stand with Larry Dominic, who's the head of the Alfa and Fiat brands for North America. Larry, how are you? Good. Great to be here. Good to uh, have you guys here. Uh, we're, we're actually looking at the uh, the Alfa Tonali uh, getting into place here on the main stand for you. Big news there. Uh, we'll talk a lot about uh, uh, Tonali, but first, uh, just wanted to hear from you about Alpha in general. We haven't heard from you uh, for a few years. Uh, what's going on with the brand? So, actually, it's, it's, it's really exciting time to be as part of this brand. So, post merger of the Stellantis merger a year ago, um, we have we ended up with a new global brand CEO, Jean Philippe Imperardo, and then I came in as the head of the North American Alpha and Fiat brands. So we've been able to, in the last year, honestly, we've been able to do some really dramatic things. Uh, we pulled ahead model years, we reduced complexity, we inc- pre- increased transaction price 22% year over year against a segment that's about 15%. So we've been able to really reposition Alpha into a true premium customer. And what we did from a standpoint of customers, we really changed our metrics. We're f- totally focusing now on customer satisfaction quality and then profitability yeah. we're not really pushing for market share although our, our sales have been pretty pretty similar year over year but we're really focusing on really getting the mindset around Alfa Romeo re-engaged as a premium brand in a premium segment and now with Tonali coming it's a great opportunity for us to take that to the next level yeah first uh, entry-level uh, vehicle you guys have had uh, uh, has been the, the Julia I guess this the sedan uh, wonderful halo car uh, probably the best handling sedan in the in the whole segment uh, but this uh, but but having a Tonali uh, coming in as entry-level has to be huge for you guys it is I mean the CUV segment in general is the largest segment within premium it's the fastest growing segment within premium some people say it took off a little while to get here but i i I joke with people i'd rather be late and great than just you know early 
So Tonali for us is going to be not only just a great vehicle in the segment, it's really going to bring the brand perception in the whole U.S. NAFTA market higher. Uh, how does, uh, in, in the larger picture, how does uh, Alpha fit into Stellantis plans? I mean, we, we see so many trucks uh, being sold at uh, sixty, seventy thousand dollars these days. It seems like trucks is the new luxury. Obviously, you got uh, Ram uh, trucks as part of this company. They're just uh, it's killing it with big screens and luxury touches inside. How, did, how does Alpha fit into the Stellantis company? It's, it's a great question. So in 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 the merger, so one of the things that was decided is okay. We have twelve to fourteen brands, depending on how you define them. But Alpha, as part of the global picture, the way we defined our brands is, for example, Alpha is the global premium brand for, for Stellantis, which means we can go anywhere in the world with the brand. Maserati's our global luxury brand, and then we have some regional premium brands with DS and Lancia in Europe. So Alpha has a very clear positioning as the global premium brand in the, in the portfolio. And if you look at the 112-year history of Alpha, Alpha has always been considered beauty performance at an at a, a affordable price, meaning people can get to it. It's not just exotic and not, and, and not super luxury. So that's how we're still positioning the brand. Uh, we have three base camps, Europe, North America, and China for the brand. We are the number two volume right now. We're, we're about 60 to 70 percent of Europe's volume. Uh, I hope to increase that percentage over time. So for us, it, it, under Mr. Tavares' leadership, each brand has been able to define kind of their future destiny. So in 2021, full year, Mr. Tavares announced that Alpha has become profitable, which had not been the case prior, which allows us to actually fund our future. So we actually have the opportunity to, to plan a core model strategy, and we now have a five-vehicle core model strategy planned. We're going to launch all of these vehicles between now and 2028, and we've already announced that we're switching to a pure EV brand starting in 2025. Yeah, that's yeah, it's very, very ambitious. Yeah, I forgot about Maserati. He has sort of the exotic brand uh, just above you, and Maserati introducing a new uh, smaller SUV. It's going to be important to them. So uh, so concentrating on this Tenali, 2019 L.A. Auto Show, I was there. Uh, L.A. is a, a luxury, uh, tends to be a luxury show. Uh, the Tenali knocked people's eyes out of their sockets. I mean, beautiful, sleek, uh, small car. Then we didn't hear about it for a while, but we were told at L.A. it was going to be all electric. Uh, it's evolved now as, uh, as a, uh, a car with multiple drivetrains. Correct. And one of the things I'm most excited about is, is very rarely in my 38 years in this industry have I seen a concept vehicle manifest itself into a, in production sheet metal. And I think this is probably one of the closest I've ever seen from an execution point of view. So I'm very grateful for the designers to bring that beauty and that excitement to life in the actual sheet metal. And for us, it is a multi-powertrain vehicle for us. But it's not just the fact it's the first electrified Alfa Romeo. For us, we think about our plug-in hybrid, 272 horsepower versus our 2-liter um, four-cylinder at 256 horsepower. The PHEV is actually not only 30-plus miles of autonomy, it's our performance tonali. So the way you're going to see it positioned here in the North American market is the 2-liter is our base to mid, and our PHEV, our plug-in hybrid, is our mid to high. And the performance difference is going to be very visible. Yeah, the the as I say, uh, initially 2019, there was talk that the Tonali was going to be uh, the first all electric uh, car. That seems to be a segment though north of fifty thousand dollars these days. Uh, I, I assume as you guys looked at your market, it makes a lot more sense for a customer uh, playing in this space thirty five thousand dollars to have a plug in or a hybrid option. 
It is, and, and the good news is we at Stellantis are still in the, the, the federal credit situation, so we still get to take benefits of some of that tax opportunity, uh, tax credit opportunity for the consumers. But more importantly, we do believe, um, and under the, the Carlos Tavares recently talked about the Dare Forward 2030 strategic plan for the entire company globally. And a key part of that in the premium and luxury segment is we said we're going to have four times the revenue and five times the profitability. So we're really focusing, and we're going to be 100% electrification for premium brands. So this allows us to take the performance potential with electrification, which we all know can drive amazing performance, and, and focus on that. Focus on the customers, focus on our networks, focus on our marketing, to really, to really manifest itself into a very co cohesive strategy. So that's where we're going with Alpha. Yeah. Uh, as you say, uh, Europe is a big market for this brand. Uh, Europe gets a different engine mix than we get over here. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, there is some overlap. For example, they're going to have the plug-in hybrid, we're going to have the plug-in hybrid. But they actually are launching with 130 horsepower mild hybrid version, much more appropriate for the European market. Uh, we made a conscious decision to limit the complexity in our market, and we wanted to make sure we had the right competitiveness. So if you look at Julia and Stelvio today, best-in-class horsepower. We like best-in-class horsepower. So Tonali will launch with also best-in-class horsepower. Mm -hmm. And with the plug-in hybrid, we're going to have we're going to be basically one of the few P-heads in the market. We're going to have the highest level of autonomy. So we're trying to have this right mix of technology, and, and we think of it as the metamorphosis for the brand. The Tonali is also the first vehicle we're going to have with a full suite of technology, meaning you connect five based HMI system, full 12.3 inch TFT configurable, 10.5 inch center stack. We're going to have over there updates. We're going to have Amazon car to home, home to car, same thing with Google. So it's, it's the first opportunity for people to see the direction that technology is going to be in the car. But it's really important to understand we don't think of technology for technology's sake. Jean Philippe likes to say, we don't want to build an iPad with a car around it. And what we, were, what we basically say is everything we're trying to put in the car, the Otis technology, the HMI technology, is to help make it more driver-centric and help support you as a driver. Yeah, and, and, and that is huge news. I mean, there, there's so much buzz here uh, at this show about electric cars, but but the revolution that's overtaking gas cars as well as electric cars is this is are the electronics coming into the interior. Um, you, you mentioned a, a couple uh, a, a couple of those uh, updates, but uh, how how difficult is that to integrate uh, basically a person's phone with a uh, with a car? Yeah, the beauty of this, uh, which is now, it's actually won many awards, our Uconnect 5 core Android-based operating system, has, has won a lot of awards and is one of the best HMI systems I've ever seen. Uh, you walk into our vehicles now with the Uconnect systems, and it instantly recognizes your phone. It understands what, you're, what you do. So it's a really great way to connect with the vehicles. And, and we think it's really important from a customer experience point of view as we go forward. We think about Alpha Connect. So it's not just the ability to connect with your car. What are the things that we're going to offer as Alpha is going to be rolled out over time as well? Yeah. And, this thing will, and this thing will still go like stink. I mean, that, you, you expect this will be the best handling uh, vehicle in the segment? Absolutely. And, and I'll use the plug-in hybrid as an example. So, uh, you know, on the plug-in hybrid, we, we've decided on this platform to go to brake-by-wire, save 10 pounds by going to brake-by-wire, electronic power steering, very consistent pedal feel in everything you do. And it, we have a 90-kilowatt motor driven by a 15.5-kilowatt-hour battery pack, which puts 1,844 pound-feet of torque at zero RPM to the back axle. And when you are in full dynamic mode, you've got the 1.3 bolt-driven generator in the front to drive the front wheels. 
So we have this ability to have a 4852 weight balance in our, our plug-in hybrid. So it will definitely deliver the best-in-class performance dynamically that we've ever had. McPherson struts front and rear, frequency selective dampening suspension. So it's, it's this is an Alfa Romeo first, and that's what's most important to us. And when you see our pivot to electrification in the future, it's still going to start as an Alfa, and the Alfa beauty, the Alfa performance driven by electric motors. Yeah. Sounds like fun. I look forward to driving this Tenali down the road. Larry Dominic, head of Alpha and Fiat in North America. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Did you know most vitamin supplements don't even come from food? Even the products with colorful fruits and vegetables adorning the labels are seldom derived from produce. Typically, supplements are synthetic, made in a laboratory. Modern science may synthetically imitate these chemicals, but your body isn't fooled. It knows the difference, and it craves quality materials to build, repair, and fight illness. You need to consume fruits and vegetables daily in a variety of colors, as well as whole grains and other fresh food. That's why I formulated Balance of Nature. I wanted to be able to give my patients a natural alternative to the cheap, unnatural chemistry by giving them real fruits and vegetables. In fact, the only ingredients inside of Balance of Nature are whole fruits and vegetables. Don't settle for imitation nutrition. Reach for the good stuff, the real stuff. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com to get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code RADIO5. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. We create professional materials representing your idea and submit it to companies who are looking for new ideas. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We also offer services including 3D modeling and animation demonstrating your idea, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to show InventHelp client ideas to additional companies. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. The Word Network has been broadcasting inspirational messages around the world since the year 2000. And we keep getting bigger and better and more innovative. Seen all around the world, we bring you the best teaching, impartation, singing, and inspiration. If you want original programming, we have that too. The Word Network is your exclusive source for all things inspiration and we can be found on every device imaginable if you want to be uplifted and inspired you need the word network 9 a.m superstation has the greatest advertising deal ever with our godfather package 200 spots for 500 but they must air within 30-day policy that is only two dollars and fifty cents per spot and we will even produce the spots free that's right free Call Jamie Harrington now at 248-357-4566. That's 248-357-4566. The oldest, the strongest, 50,000 watts, only urban talk radio station in town. WFDL. 19 a.m. Superstation lineup like no other. Sports, law, history rights, and justice. The car guru, movies, infotainment, information, and news. Political matters. Business issues within communities, real life justice for the people. My man Gunner. <laughs> we play chess, not checkers. 
Hear WFDF 910 AM Superstation live on the 910 AM Facebook page, the iHeartRadio app. Also, listen in real time and see the lineup schedule on our website, 910amsuperstation.com, or our free download 910 AM app, which is compatible with any Android or Apple operating system. Join in the conversation at 313-778-7600. We out. The 910 AM app has been integrated with Alexa and is now live in the App Store. To use 910 AM on your Alexa device, you can say Alexa commands in two ways. If your Fire TV device has a microphone button, you can hold down the microphone button to say the commands. If you've linked your Echo or Echo Dot to your Fire TV, you can use the trigger word Alexa without pushing your microphone buttons to say commands. Start listening to 910 AM Superstation now from the comfort of your home. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Uh, having a good day at the office. I am up in the Upper Peninsula uh, driving 315 horsepower VW Golf R's on ice. And I am joined by Tanner Faust, who is a well-known race car driver, but also a Volkswagen representative. How would you describe your relationship with VW? It's a race, I mean, racing Volkswagens, but it's turned into being a spokesperson and um, brand ambassador for the R Group in Germany and then Volkswagen of America. And, and the, the first time I actually met you was at the Andretti's shop in Indianapolis. You were racing... The 700 horsepower VW Beetle in the Rallycross series, um, which was a really great series. I think that's sort of on hold, right? Tell, tell us what's going on with Rallycross. Rallycross, well, I mean, it's a, it's a former racing has been around since like 67, but um, got popularity. If you, if you can imagine in your mind like a six to 800 horsepower Volvo bouncing off a grassy hillside and clashing into like an RS200 Ford and that sends a Peugeot off into like bleachers, that's Rallycross the days of old. The modern version um, came to the U.S. in like 2011, 2012. It was Global Rallycross, GRC. It's changed names a few times, went to ARX um, last. and But with Volkswagen, we won the championship uh, five years in a row and um, had an incredibly successful run with the Beetle. I went 25 heats uh, without being beat, beat in that Beetle. And it's um, the kind of racing with Rallycrosses, it's really fast acting. The, the race are only three minutes long. And so you do like uh, qualifying heats, kind of like Supercross, all day long. And then you'd have a semifinal, a last chance qualifier, and then a main. So as a spectator, the races are super fast. You can see the whole track from one seat. I always kind of said it was kind of like the Howard Stern of motorsport where you sort of don't know what's going to happen next so you just can't take your eyes off it there's a drag racing start the cars go zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds <laughs> that's pretty quick there's jumps there's dirt and pavement and so i fell in love with the sport in europe and then helped to bring it over to the u.s hmm. uh with the help of the guy who was at the helm of volkswagen i was racing for ford at the time so also with um guys at ford and um, it's uh, it, it did take a pause with COVID, but it's it's a perfect sport for electric racing. So I think that's where it's headed. Yeah, so we'll see electric rally cross racers next, and obviously VW is uh, headed there. Well, I, I want to talk more of VW and golf cars and electric and all that, but uh, let, let's wind the clock back. Just how this all began? How did you get into racing? 
Well, it was um, not the normal way, if there is a normal way. Um, for me, I was studying to be a doctor, and I was going to follow my family footsteps and was a pre-med major in Boulder, Colorado. I'd always loved driving. Um, don't have racers in my family. They're all doctors. <laughs> um, don't I uh, didn't understand the business of motorsport. I knew nothing about it except I loved driving and skiing. Those are the two things I loved. So in college, I got a job with an inventor who invented amusement rides, and I kind of got that entrepreneurial bug um, and <clears throat> just figuring out what's the most fun and figuring out how to make a living at it. And so I... So, so before college, you hadn't raced a car. You didn't come up through... Uh, barber schools and Formula Atlantic and all that sort of thing. I mean, having a barber school as like a gift or something would have been epic, but no, I never, I never had that exposure, and <laughs> and I knew I was I had enough humility to understand that motorsport was it it, it, it was going to be. You know, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. I, I knew it was going to be a big undertaking, and I knew that the, my very first race, I would. I would know if I could learn it, if I could, if I had the ability to learn. It wasn't about learning it, I guess. It was about having the ability to learn. And I got a, uh, let's see, the first, you know, when I worked for the inventor, um, I started looking into motorsport, and I ended up seeing a racetrack from an airplane in Denver. Uh, the inventor moved to Florida. I went and helped him build some amusement rides over there, came back to Denver, and didn't want to live, to live in Florida. I saw Second Creek Raceway outside of DIA in Denver. I drove there. I saw cars on the track from the airplane. Drove there. A guy came to kick me out because I was like standing on the side of the track. I ended up working out a deal with him to help him with some of his computer stuff and be a mechanic on his team in return for seat time in his cars. Wow. And I did that for eight months. And, and those cars were? Uh, spec Fords. So they're uh -huh. Spec Ford racers. Spec racer of SCCA Fords. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, he also serviced Formula Mazdas. And so uh, eight months of being the worst freaking mechanic you've ever met. <laughs> like they literally would always say in the shop, you know, do it fast enough so I have time to do it over again. But it was, uh, you know, great also to learn the mechanics of the cars and learn the driver, t you know, um, technician interaction and that side of it. But I got a license out of it and and then uh, found another guy who, who offered a scholarship of 10 races for $3,500 and then you paid for tires. It was a super, uh, um, Jim Christian was his name, and it was a super fortunate thing to get his kind of rookie scholarship. Was that still Spec Racer Ford? Still, still yeah. in Spec Racer Ford. Yeah. yeah, which is a very competitive class. I mean, uh, just tents separate drivers there. It was. A, it's a great. It's a great class. I think, especially at the club level, um, because the cars are very, very similar, and it's a it's a test of momentum and really thinking ahead to make a pass. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you got into some of the pro races, uh, those motors were sealed motors, and if if somebody got a sniff that somebody had a really fast motor, then they'd offer them a ton of money for it and have a couple horsepower advantage, which in spec Ford was everything. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I did really enjoy that racing, and uh, but also learned how expensive motorsport was very quickly. Which a lot of people when they get into it, when they come off the couch and think, you know what, I'm going to be a racer, mm -hmm. they they get into it and and they make some valuable steps towards that career by getting into the industry somehow at whatever level. But then it costs millions. You know, yeah. it's not thousands; it's millions, yeah. and it's like crazy, stupid, silly money. 
Yeah, a, lot, a lot of doctors become racers late in life. They do. <laughs> they do. And then they, um, and they, and they club race and it becomes, you know, a, a side thing. And at that time I really was thinking that I, I've got five years to figure out if I can make a living at this, mm-hmm. like get paid to hold a steering wheel. And I had run into a couple things and in, people in the industry and I've gotten, got some good advice, but one of the, uh, one of the Formula Mazdas on the team, actually, I saw Bridgestone Winter Driving School written on the side of it as a logo, and one of the instructors from that ice driving school was driving a car. Um, and so I ended up working out a job up at the ice driving school in the winter, and that really kind of got the ball rolling, to mm. be honest. Yeah. So you see, you, you wanted to race, but you could supplement it. Uh, uh, doing entrepreneurial stuff on the side, which you are essentially still doing today. Yeah, it's always been a it's always been a business for me. Yeah. Um, I didn't come in with anything, so um, I, I got a job in the winter uh, at the ice driving school, learning car control. I had a job in the summer um, as a sales guy at Pikes Peak International Raceway, which was our biggest track in Colorado. Really, we had a couple indie weekends. We had AMA Superbike. We had Bush. At the time, um, you know the court, the Silver Bullet series. So there were some interesting races to sell, and I really uh, developed a contact list mm-hmm. and an understanding of the business and why people write a check for motorsport, mm-hmm. um, other than you know the guys driving themselves. Yeah. So that that was incredibly important. Um, and, and did, then, did you get into a, a pipeline like a, a Mazda series or a Formula series where you really developed your skills? Um, I did the spec Ford racing for three seasons, and then I actually teamed up with a guy who, who started his own Formula Mazda series. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I BS'd my way in. There was, uh, which sometimes you just have to do. Um, I, I started a coaching service in the spec Ford races. And this is before GoPro cameras and stuff where people could really watch themselves and learn. It was hard for people to get tips. And, and a lot of these doctors that were racing would do the exact same thing for 10 years. And they would always qualify seventh and they'd, they'd finish seventh and, you know, never really improved. But with a GoPro or with somebody following you who maybe, if I qualified better than somebody, then I would just say, oh, I've got a, a small coaching service, $120 a day, um, practice sessions, I follow you, follow you, whatever, you follow me, whatever you like. And sometimes it's just a matter of braking later, accelerating earlier. That's 90% of it at that mm-hmm. level. And they would get faster. It was, it was a very well spent $120 on their end. And, um, and I could get four or five of those guys and pay for tires. And, and I did that for three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was great, but but working at the ice driving school got me fascinated with rally racing and, um, you know, Scandinavian flicks and sliding and car control in general. I just fell in love with car control, Hmm. and and I fell in love with talking about it, too, um, where, you know, public speaking was my biggest fear before that. But cars, I love talking cars. Hmm. And so that's that's when I, I got into rally racing. Um, I got a Subaru dealership to buy a, a used rally car, and we went rally racing in, in the U.S. And that's also when drifting came to the U.S., which an ice driving background turned out to be kind of perfectly suited for. Well, yeah, so this is really your meat and potatoes, this uh, the rally cross or out here, uh, ice racing, ice driving, these golf R's. This, this is really what you love. Well, yeah, right here in, you know, Sault Ste. Marie is taking it back, that's for sure, because... 
Um, when I worked at that ice driving school in Steamboat, um, I, that kind of got me kickstarted into, you know, for the next eight years I did drifting. Uh, for the next eight years, I also did rally, and that, that kind of rally at the time was stage rally when you're mm-hmm. out in the forest, you know, with a co-driver and everything. Mm-hmm. Not very popular in the U.S., um, but drifting was gaining popularity, and drifting was considered at the time, if you remember this, it was considered like a lifestyle, not a motorsport. So you'd have the marketing director of the tire company there, not the motorsport director. Mm-hmm. The marketing director holds the whole bucket of water, and the motorsport director gets a drop. So it was it, it, they wanted to change the image of their company, and that's expensive. They wanted to lower the mean age of their buyer, which is expensive. Yeah. So the real money was really coming into drifting, and the real contacts were there. And I knew enough about the business of motorsport at that point from Pikes Peak that um, – that that was a thing to hold on to. And so I got into drifting, won the championship a couple times, learned a lot, made a lot of contacts, learned a lot about that business. And, but incidentally, while I was working at the ice driving school, was out here teaching engineers uh, car control yeah. um, as a program that I sold to um, various Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I had no energy for months and months and months. I had no energy, and I'm a very active person. And my husband was noticing that I was tired all the time, and I was slow at everything that I was doing. And I kept listening to the commercials, and, you know, you don't know if something's going to help you or not, but I decided this was something I was going to do. And lo and behold, in about four days to taking them, I was repotting plants. I was doing other things. My husband said to me, you seem to have more energy. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm telling you, nothing has ever made such a difference. So anyway, I'm very happy. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code RADIO5. Attention! Do you owe back taxes, fines, and penalties to the IRS? The IRS now offers new relief options for taxpayers affected by COVID-19, but you can't go it alone. Call Tax Solutions now. Our team of former IRS agents and tax professionals can get you the best deal. We know the COVID-19 rules. Call us and never speak to the IRS again. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions now and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions now and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. The virus has caused the IRS to take extensive action to help taxpayers. So if you owe $10,000 or more, this is the best time in years to settle your tax debt. I qualified for the Fresh Start program. I paid less than I owed. Remember, the IRS will not give up until you pay. Call 800-683-9499. 800-683-9499. 800-683-9499. gets a facelift and is now My 38 Detroit. Along with a facelift comes New program on Mondays at 8 p.m. Catch a two-hour block of Law & Order SVU. Tuesday, Chicago Fire. Wednesdays, Dateline. More Dateline and Chicago PD on Thursdays and on Fridays. You'll get more Chicago PD to start your weekend. We'll still have some of your favorite shows like Mom, Blackish, and Friends. Just adding more for you to enjoy on My 38.
My38 is offering a great special that cannot be refused. Are you looking for a great deal on TV advertising? Are you searching for an avenue to get your business name out to the public? With My38, we are offering a great special with 100 commercial ads for a great price. This offers for a 30-day ad placement. Please contact Jamie Harrington for more information at 248-357-4566. That's 248-357-4566. Or email at jamie at my38detroit.com two or three weeks out of the winter and do a whole program to certify engineers to test, you know, car control systems. Yeah. Just because sliding on ice is fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I have no idea. Yeah, you're, you're, you're really back home here in the Upper Peninsula. <laughs> <laughs> As we're standing in the rain for eight hours, I don't know if I would say that. <laughs> so, so, um, uh, to, so to pivot to a Volkswagen, why are we up here uh, driving a Volkswagen Golf R? I mean, a sensational on-road uh, vehicle. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge hot hatch fan. First car I ever owned was a, a VW GTI. Uh, what are we doing here with the Golf R? Well, I, mean, the, I know the reason you're here for the Golf R. The, the, one of the main reasons I'm here at the Golf R is the guy who started our rallycross program, Yos Capito, who's a real racer at heart. He was running the R program, and so he uh, got me involved in the R group as an ambassador and technical consultant. So I've done some development help and some validating on some of the technology in the Golf R. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons I'm here with this with this program. And it's um, there's some tech that you always want to be in a car, but it's either too expensive, it's not reliable enough or whatever to get in there. And And now things, I don't know, where the leap happened, but the leap from the Mark 7 to the Mark 8 is technologically and dynamically uh, a huge jump. Um, things that are that sound like you know black magic, like uh, like torque vectoring and things like that. Things that the future of performance cars it's going to become a staple, um, but now is still fresh. Is done so well in this car, and so I've. Uh, I'm happy that one of the best ways to feel it is on the ice and snow. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily exiting a corner at 100 miles an hour, but um, just making the mistake sometimes of turning and accelerating at the same time and then feeling that that uh, when you're at the limit, which the ice and snow, the beautiful thing about ice and snow is you're always at the limit. Mm-hmm. On the racetrack, if you're really pushing it, you're at the limit. Or in an emergency, you may be at the limit. But it's really rare that driving down the road you're more than 30 percent of you know using that much of the grip yeah uh so when you're at the limit the torque vectoring is a more effective way to change the direction of the car than the steering wheel Mm -hmm. and um so feeling that out on the ice and snow and having journalists that are going to be telling that tech story to the world um it's a it it's a great honor for me it's a great thing too because the tech works and it's easy to feel mm-hmm. like a lot of these i'm sure you've been to they'd be like did, did you did you feel it right then and you're like <laughs> uh, not really you know it's something that they're talking about but something like this you can't help but um realize that this is a big step in performance and and, and the nurburgring which is kind of the staple time it's 19 seconds faster than the previous generation so it's not just something you feel it's actually makes a difference on the track yeah yeah that's an extraordinary game uh, from one generation to the next um uh, last uh, question for you um long before i ever met you i, I loved a, sh- a a show a tv show that you did with paul tracy 
and I know there are a lot of listeners uh, to this show who to, to this program who remember that show. Um, it was it was to my mind is still one of the great shows out there. Uh, beats Jeremy Clarkson and and uh, his his crew. Uh, talk about a little that a little bit. How how did that come together? Uh, how did how how did you find that spark with Paul Tracy? Well, I'd been doing some shows with um, on Speed Channel and with. Uh, and, and the latest one was called Supercars Exposed, where we basically just took out fast cars, slid them around, had some fun with them, drove them the way that you, you really felt like they wanted to be driven. Then um, guy Bobby Aiken at Speed Channel was like, hey, why don't we get two of you out there and you guys can race these supercars against each other? We'll get... And I was like, sure. This is the Bob Aiken, the, yeah. the sports racer. He's no longer with us, but... Oh, no, no. Oh, different no, no, no. Bob Aiken. Bobby, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah this is uh, Bobby Aiken. He's at, um, he was a, a programmer for Speed okay. Channel. Okay. Um, so uh, he said, hey, let's get Paul Tracy out there. And I was thinking, Paul Tracy, Jesus, I mean, this is like, come on, we're just playing around here. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, I was a fan. I knew who he was. I knew he was re- he's got reputations on and off the track. And it turned out to be the easiest show ever to do. And we uh, we would just show up. Producers would come up with two bizarre cars to pit against each other. We had the same tests every time, 0 to 100 uh, or top speed down a runway. We did a very cool tie-in with military so that we could use the runways. And, and we would tell a little story about the military, like going out to Beale Air Force Base and chasing the U-2, you know, uh, planes down and, and some cool stuff. But then the the interaction between Paul and I was easy. They would just, Paul would be Paul. He'd be like, whatever, Tanner's some drifting, I don't even know his last name, <laughs> and I'm going to kick his ass. And then, you know, the, the the guy, you know, they'd say, hey, say something about Paul's hair. And he'd be like, yeah, Paul's hair is really gray, and he's losing most of it. And, they, and then they would go drive cars. And that was it. It was like... The easiest show in the world, and um, I mean, I, I knew Paul was a pure racer one time when there was a guy there with a Lamborghini, and we were doing like a, a how fast you could go in a mile, standing mile, and, and I could hear this thing missing going down the runway, and Paul just, he never lifted off the firewall. He was pinned the whole time. It's missing and spitting and putting, and you know blew the thing to bits like literally i still have a paperweight of the side of a, the cylinder that had like a little lamborghini bull on it that shot out of the side of the car and um you know it's like yeah i just couldn't it just wouldn't go any faster it just kept bucking and bucking it didn't matter how hard i pushed on the gas and it's like man that is this is what you this is why drivers have a bad reputation for like <laughs> damaging stuff the thing's spitting fire and he's just leaning into the gas but we had a great time doing the show. We talked about doing it again a couple of years later. Um, Top Gear came along and, and derailed that. But, you know, you never know. Paul Paul's always down to do fun stuff. So. <laughs> do you, you keep in touch with him? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I every once in a while we throw a couple texts or if there's a funny meme comes along, send it. But um, And then whenever I do get a chance to, you know, racing for Andretti, I'd go to some of the indie races. And uh, him being a broadcaster, I'd catch up with him then. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, it would be fun to work again uh, together again soon, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see that. Well, Tanner, uh, thanks for the time today, and uh, and thanks for the tips uh, on ice racing. I uh, learned a lot out there today and look forward to seeing you again down the road. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
Did you know most vitamin supplements don't even come from food? Even the products with colorful fruits and vegetables adorning the labels are seldom derived from produce. Typically, supplements are synthetic, made in a laboratory. Modern science may synthetically imitate these chemicals, but your body isn't fooled. It knows the difference and it craves quality materials to build, repair, and fight illness. You need to consume fruits and vegetables daily in a variety of colors, as well as whole grains and other fresh food. That's why I formulated Balance of Nature. I wanted to be able to give my patients a natural alternative to the cheap, unnatural chemistry by giving them real fruits and vegetables. In fact, the only ingredients inside a Balance of Nature are whole fruits and vegetables. Don't settle for imitation nutrition. Reach for the good stuff, the real stuff. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com.